0: You are joining Talking Neoteric, a podcast that advocates for and shares new ideas, ways of thinking and doing, about who we are, what we do and where we do it. Talking Neoteric spotlights creative practitioners, sharing their work and practices, each demonstrating their reach far beyond the arts, with contributions to the broader health, Livability and prosperity of regional Queensland. Today I am coming from Gubby Gubby Lands in the Wide Bay Burnett District. I am out in a place called Chatsworth, a part of the Gympie region. And today I've come to Chatsworth to meet up with Kim Barrett, a contemporary abstract landscape painter. So it's been some time since I last caught up with Kim. And when we were throwing around dates, I thought it was perhaps 2007 or 2008. But Kim, you've done a bit more digging. When was it? 2008 it was, yeah, in Bundaberg. And so at that time, um, I was, yeah, working at the then perhaps Bundaberg Art Centre that was becoming the Bundaberg Regional Art Gallery And Kim, I recall that it was a solo show in Gallery
1: 2. Definitely. It was upstairs, I suppose that's Gallery 2, and it was called In Search of the Golden Thread, and I'm still in search of the Golden Thread, and the opening was opened by my high school art teacher, Jenny McDuff.
0: Jenny McDuff, a very, very well known name um, in the regional art scene. And actually, interestingly, the art centre, the art gallery, is now um, being run by her daughter, Rebecca. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the, the McDuffs have a very uh, long history. And so, showing in regional art galleries is something that's very, very common for you. How did all this exhibiting start?
1: Well, I guess speaking of Jenny McDuff, being my high school art teacher and huge inspiration, she pretty much um, inspired me to go to art college, to um, become uh, and then follow on and become an art teacher. But then I got caught up with teaching and a family, and so pretty much when my last daughter left to go to university, I decided it was my time to focus on my painting. So that was around about 2005. So since then, I've been working hard and
0: showing lots. And we, we introduced you, I introduced you as an abstract painter. It's not always, I don't know, easy for people to understand abstraction what what is abstraction?
1: Well, wow, that's a huge question, isn't it? Like so I, I, I would say from my point of view, contemporary abstract landscape. So I my work I always say is tethered to the landscape, which means there's elements of the landscape in the abstraction. So I, I think abstraction is where you you take something from something else. And um, manipulate it, um, change it your way. Um, there's pure abstraction, which is just based on shapes, lines, colours, textures, etc. But for me, it's it's deriving my energy and sense of of um, the landscape in an abstract way. Yeah, it's yeah. a visual language that is abstract. Yeah,
0: yeah. So I guess for you, looking at an abstract painting has Tangent links back to to the landscape that you're inspired by.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. And so if we
0: were a visitor and we were trying to understand abstract painting, um, we could then look into your painting and perhaps try and find elements of what we recognise the landscape to be and then draw that back.
1: Perfect, yeah, yeah. It's It's both the say the lines the textures the shapes that you might see in the landscape and quite often it's a close-up version of that Um, it also might be a sense of like I, I like abstract work to have some some sort of feeling so instead of just looking at the shapes and the lines ask yourself what it is what what feeling do you feel when you're standing in front of this work is it is it quiet? Is it busy? Is it um, gentle? Whatever, yeah.
0: And then the landscape that you're painting, if we bring you back to what's inspiring you, what surrounds you. Today, as we said, we're in Chatsworth. We're, we're in your studio, which I just love studios. They're so inspiring. What's around us? What is this studio of yours?
1: Yeah, well, this studio is... Sort of set um, halfway down the hill on our five acre property uh this place Chatsworth is a place of rolling hills it 's open bushland the studio is halfway to the creek that we have at the bottom of our property, and there 's lots of birds there's we have two possums that live in our studio we actually have two snakes that live in our studio Uh, i found that both their skins shed um not so long ago they're quite okay they pop out from time to time but um yeah it's pretty nice pretty nice place to make
0: so the environment is literally all around you if not also inside the space that you're creating um and you're right, you sort of drive into your place and you you drive down and it's this beautiful angular down and right at the bottom, which we haven't got to walk to just yet, but you've described it even a creek.
1: Mm-hmm. It's a creek and I mean, we've been here for over 30 years, so it's become a part of us. Um, this creek is a creek that's spring fed, so it's always there, even in the drought, and when you go down there, particularly early in the morning, it's a cacophony of bird sound. It's cool because it's sort of a bit of a rainforest, a small rainforest around the creek. So it's been a long time source of, um, it's a bit of a sanctuary really down the creek and particularly during COVID times, I found it so beautiful.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you've just touched on that point, like that point of COVID, um, What was your experience during COVID and how did that inform your practice? Because it feels like
1: were you in your own little protected ecosystem here? Oh, yeah. (laughs) It was just, I mean, I I think that a lot of artists will relate to the fact of um, needing solitude, needing quiet to create. Um, But for me, it was that as well as... Uh, having the time and and not being so busy with the restrictions, we couldn't go out and do things that we would normally do, I found going down to the creek, um, I would take a bundle of paper, charcoal, whatever, and I'd just slosh the paint around, the, the charcoal around with water, I'd make my marks, I'd just respond to just being in the landscape, just being there and had the best time really it started a new process that i'm still currently really enjoying so i'd bring that all back let it dry i'd sit in my studio and i'd tear it up the freedom of it all and reconstruct it and i found that was a beautiful way to create new compositions and i'm it's like i'm i'm responding in my body to the work to the space And then I'm reconstructing it to make some really interesting compositions. I'm still doing that work now. It's interesting that you describe COVID as a free time
0: yeah, because that's not the experience of a lot of people. So the freeness for you was that, yes, you have this sort of ecosystem environment around you that you could move freely, which which was some of the restrictions of other people. But the other freeness for you was the availability of time Mm
1: -hmm. absolutely I like like most people these days we're busy um there's also there's all sorts of things that you're drawn to do and so I think um while I understand that a lot of people found it really difficult and and that must have been terrible to be cooped up in in a unit or or a space where you just couldn't go anywhere that must have been frightful but Fortunately for me, with five acres here, um, I've plenty of place to, places to go away and retire to and play around. Yeah. So, what was it
0: like then for your broader regional network? How did how were you able to, you know, have this freedom in this space but still connection?
1: Yeah. Well, one thing that was fantastic was this um, online workshop, which we. As I say, we, a group of um, regional artists um, actually from New South Wales and uh, Queensland, did this online course called Workshops in Wild Places Stays Home. We did it with a Canadian teacher called Janice Mason-Steves and so it brought together ten of us. um, Every week for four hours we would have the, the class and then we would go down to our space, our own space, each of our peop- each of the people in their own particular landscape environment, and we would sit. We'd write. We'd do plein air works. We'd reflect. Um, we'd have conversations with, like for example, my creek, and I'd have to um, write from my point of view about the creek, and then I'd have to write from the creek's point of view about me. So it was a real full immersion. In this, and then we also had this coming back to share our experiences. So it was a great time to connect with other artists with similar interests.
0: And do you think, without I guess the restrictions as they were of COVID, would have would have that creative cohort ever come together?
1: Probably unlikely. I mean, I knew some of them, and I knew some of them. Um, only online through, uh, say, Instagram or Facebook or something. I knew of them and I knew that they were interested in landscape. But, of course, this workshop was not... It's normally offered as an um, actual workshop going to remote wild landscapes all over the world. And she wasn't going to be coming here anytime soon. So, no. So it was a fantastic opportunity. I know that's happened with a lot of since COVID and during COVID a lot of people have taken up online courses which has been brilliant to connect with other people of like minds.
0: And how is that experience of COVID and particularly you know the fallout years so we talk about you know from 2021 sorry 2020 all the way through you know even till now how has that shaped and influenced your practice how has your practice evolved from those experiences?
1: yeah uh i like i said i think that process that i developed at the creek of really freely letting loose with my mark making without any intention of exhibiting it's just this pure pleasure of creating in the space um and then returning and reconstructing uh, deconstructing reconstructing so Just that process uh, has continued on with me and that's something I want to continue on with as I keep going. This work that I'm doing or have done for Embedded um, followed on from that but I'm using charcoal with coal wax on top of an ink base and then I've torn many of them up and reconstructed and it's the work for this show is actually related the concept behind it for me is the fact that we've been here over 30 years and we are going to have to go in the next couple of years because it's getting a bit much for us to manage these this acreage so there's sort of these memories that we've and the connection that I've had to the property but but more particularly the creek that is kind of bubbling up and i the torn memories are kind of about this ambivalence and this bit of pain and um, attachment that I'm going to have to break when we when we leave, so yeah,
0: that's very significant. Your practice is very much embedded to this place
1: that's right, I know so while you know while it is scary and it's a little bit tear producing actually even just starting to talk about it um being here for and bringing your family up here too for over 30 years and then knowing that we have to go um and trying every other which way to say well maybe we can still stay and still do it you know like but yeah so i guess that the process that i was talking about the the make deconstruct reconstruct there's sort of something in it that's that is hopeful you know the actual reconstruction of something. So I, I don't know. Sometimes you never know why you make and do these things, and the way you do these things until um, after the event or a long time later, and you think, "Oh yeah, I see what that was all about." It's processing your own stuff.
0: It almost feels like
1: your subconscious <laughs> is ahead of your your yeah, present. Yeah, 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 know, yeah. I'm interested in that, and I'm I'm also interested in doing some. Sort of te- semi three D work with that as well. I've got a mini mini residency down at Corroy Butter Factory um, in May, I think it is, and I'm thinking about doing the making the work and then on on some this this stuff called mixed media art board. It's a sturdy sort of board that you can use for all sorts of media, and then I don't think I can tear it, but cut it, and then make some sort of wall relief. 2D, 3D stuff. I don't know. I'm going to explore that anyway.
0: Yeah, and you're often um, involved in arts education, arts placements, B residencies. How, how have they come to inform the way that you work as well? So you've got a residency coming up and obviously that then creates, again, this freeness that you've spoken about that, that COVID did Absolutely. as well.
1: I, I, think that's the, I think that's the only, well, It's not the only way to work, but I think it's the absolute best way to work for you to be able to express yourself you've kind of got to follow the thread of what you love to do and if you follow that thread then I think then new things emerge like so you really have to tap into the stuff that gives you joy so that stuff that I was doing at the creek gave me joy and so I'm trying to follow that thread through that with things that excite me
0: interesting because I think the perception of being an artist is that you walk into a stu- studio and you know you put paint down and every day is whatever you want it to be but as you've described unknowingly there's this economic layer um, that that applies to every industry every sector um, so even someone that works in the creative sector there's a there's a financial reality to it that you might want to just put things on paper in a particular way, but you also feel a pressure to make a saleable work and whatever you assume that to be um, actually inhibits. Because sometimes, and we've often spoken to other people about this, that when artists are freer, as you describe, they make the works that they really love, But that comes through in the works and they actually become the works that are just as saleable. I
1: totally agree. I think that's when you're actually creating your real authentic work from your own inner space, it seems to me, strangely, that it connects with the people, other people, because they must be able to somehow magically feel that energy. Yeah. Feel that truth or something about it is is there. It's um it's certainly a nicer place to work from than having to produce work to sell. Like feel feel restrained. And and you do tend to do that. I'm sure artists do like if you've got an exhibition you coming up and you've got to produce work Mostly I try not to have that burden on my shoulders that I've got to create work. But you can't help it. There's this little voice behind you saying, well, you know, is that going to be, is that going to work? Is that going to sell? You know? Yeah. But it's interesting because you've you've
0: acknowledged it and other artists that we've spoken to acknowledge that, yeah, when you create the work that you feel passionate about or that you feel is important, yeah, those viewing, those audiences receive it um, in the same way as well.
1: Yeah, I think so. It doesn't necessarily always translate to sales, I have to say. And I guess,
0: yeah, that's a great point to pick up on... ...that the creation of work isn't necessarily always about that. No. Um, and you've often exhibited really widely... At ...the start of our conversation, we were talking about Bundaberg. What what have been some of your standout exhibition moments? Like, if you take away that that selling factor... ...and just creating work for an audience to enjoy... What, what was one of the experiences that stand out the most in presenting your work publicly?
1: Mm. That's a really good question. Um, I actually think the last one that I had at CA Gallery at Coolum Beach, which was last year, May, uh, it was a large solo show. There was, a, there was a, quite a lot of diverse work there um, But I was really happy with the response, for one thing, but I was really happy with the work um, as it related to the topic, actually. The topic, the the title of the show was Unknown Destinations, which again reflected, you know, the uncertainty in the world and and, um, because of COVID, et cetera. Um, but I think I was just happy with the way it was hanging. I was happy with the way people received it. And but that didn't really necessarily translate to a lot of sales either. But it, it's probably the highlight so far.
0: Yeah. And you've often been awarded um significant awards. We've also spoken about um the Flying Arts Award um that you were recently the finalist of. So Often, when you're putting works out publicly, you're you're also being really highly regarded um, for those.
1: Yeah, it's kind of nice. It's not like you don't do the work, of course, to to have that. I think you've actually got to have you've got to trust your own ability and with the quality of your work. So I think if you're doing it just for those accolades, then you're on the wrong path. You because otherwise you're up and down like a yo yo. But I think it's nice to be acknowledged in a, in different scenarios from different people um, uh, that your work is of quality, for sure.
0: And so you've always been based in the regions and hopefully, you know, if and when you move on from this beautiful place here, um, regions might still be a part of what you do. How have you found that experience in living and working regionally? How have you found the network of other creatives and the network of sort of what's provided in the infrastructure being venues as well.
1: Yeah, I think it's this little place of Gympie and surrounds is there's a lot of really um, passionate artists and there's a great community of art here. There's... um, the gallery is superb, like it's a heritage, old heritage building and it's a fantastic space to exhibit. And um, I've got a little group that I have here twice a month, I don't I think I said earlier. Um, on a Saturday we gather. We've been gathering here since 2012 and while most of these people are not professional artists, um, we've got teachers we've got people that are beginners we've got all sorts of people who are really interested in art and learning about art. so they meet here and we've become a really close knit um, community of friends and we've even had two exhibitions in the local gallery, so I think all of things like that are really important in the in the community so if I go to Brisbane when I go to Brisbane when I leave I'm hoping that they will continue. And I'm hoping to probably start another little group. I think it's important for us as artists to connect, even though we do like our private space. We need to connect from time to time. time. Well, Kim
0: Barrett, it's been beautiful to connect back with you. It's been a long time. So hopefully the next time we catch up, it won't have been as long. But thank you for having me in your studio today and for sharing so much. And about the journey that you're on, the last few years have been, you know, supportive and encouraging and creative for you. And yeah, your journey on to where your studio may next exist. I look forward to watching. Thank you for joining Talking Neoteric, a podcast that shares new ways of thinking and doing through the lens of visual artists and arts workers. Listen in next episode to see where Talking Neoteric is in Queensland. And who joins the conversation? Talking the Oteric is curated by Bianca Simovic with production by Ashley Salter. This project was made possible through the Australian Government's Regional Arts Fund, funding through the Regional Arts Australia administered by Flying Arts Alliance.